Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Today I'll be speaking to Dr. Marinette Jordan. She is a former journalist and lecturer at the Department of Journalism. Her research focuses on newsroom culture, journalistic role perceptions, and media ethics. Joining her today is Alexander Brandt. He is the editor-in-chief of the student-run community news publication, Multimedia. He also does freelance writing for the South African and Blind Eye magazine. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. So on the 3rd of May, it is World Press Freedom Day. Why do we celebrate it? Stefan, the day actually has its origins on the African continent. Uh, 30 years ago this year, which makes it a special celebration, a group of independent African journalists met in Windhoek in Namibia for a UNESCO-led seminar titled Promoting an Independent and Pluralistic African Media. According to UNESCO's website, um, participants from 38 countries attended this meeting and this eventually led to the establishment of what is now a world-renowned declaration on press freedom and media freedom. I think this extract from the Windhoek Declaration, as it's called, um, captures the essence of what was discussed that year very well. The establishment, maintenance, and fostering of an independent, pluralistic, and free press is essential to the development and maintenance of democracy in a nation and for economic development. So about two years after the Windhoek Conference um, in 1991, the UN General Assembly officially established World, uh, 3 May as World Press Freedom Day. And this year's theme for World Press Freedom Day is information as a public good. Um, according to this website, the aim or focus of this um, theme for the 2021 World Press Freedom Day is to draw attention to the special role of journalism in producing news as verified information in the public interest and to how this depends on a wider ecosystem which enables information as a public good. What would you say are the biggest threats to media freedom in South Africa specifically? I think let's start off with the fact that South Africa actually has an enabling environment for critical, independent and diverse media institutions to thrive. Um, it's enshrined in our constitution and, and Zander can maybe talk about that a little bit. Um, but we do have problems. I, I think in the 2020 Reuters digital news report in the section about South Africa, they talk about the highly trusted independent media tradition in South Africa, but unfortunately that trust is being eroded by a combination of unethical business practices, lower quality journalism and escalating misinformation. So I think on the one hand there are threats internally from the media and there are also external threats. And internal threats has a lot to do about lack of trust, what people call fake news, what we in journalism don't like to call fake news, we talk about misinformation, but also um, threats from ex external threats. I don't know, Zander, if you maybe want to talk yeah. about some of the threats that the media are facing externally. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think it, as a starting point, um, the overall encompassing thing starts as uh, overall distrust when it comes to the media that has been on an incline. And a few, a few examples of those would be um, the physical and online safety of journalists, um, especially women. Um, then there's the resistance from government structures and political parties. 
Um, and this comes up mostly when um, talking about investigative journalism. Um, a big contributor, um, like Marinette said, um, when it comes to misinformation and the labeling of fake news comes from um, social media, um, where it has kind of moved to a platform where um, anyone is seen as a journalist in a sense, um, and anyone has access to report quote unquote news. Um, and then overall, just a lack of funding when it comes to journalism. Um, and then lastly, uh, FANGS, which is Facebook, uh, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, um, which main focus is on making money and using people's data to do so. And that has also been a big contributor. I'm glad you mentioned the anybody can be a journalist these days, or that's the perception. And I mean, we've called on citizen journalism, but what contribution can citizens bring to uphold media freedom? Um, Stefan, I'm just going to go a, a step back, perhaps, and talk about some of the internal um, threats to media freedom, and then talk about how citizens can also help to address those threats internally and externally. I think a very good example of how the media scores kind of an own goal the, uh, the past few months and weeks was um, when the Sunday World newspaper had to fire a journalist who actually tried to elicit a bribe of a million rand to um, suppress stories and he wanted to um, to uh, leave his company, but they said, no, they are going to have a disciplinary hearing for him. And he was actually fired and they were very open and honest about that. But obviously that undermines the trust that the media, uh, that the public has in, in the media. And I think one way that citizens can really contribute to upholding media freedom is to financially support the media. I think a, there's a misconception that journalism should be free. Information should be free. People should all have access to information. That's great. And the internet has a lot of um, information that, that we all have access to. But for professional, ethical, verified journalism to exist, you need money. People need to pay for it. Because if you think, for example, of uh, um, investigations like the Daily Maverick does, people like um, Pauli van Wyk or Peter Louis Marburg, who's a, a graduate from, from our program, it takes them months, sometimes years, to do those type of investigations, and obviously they have to eat as well. And uh, there's all kinds of resources that needs to be, um, yeah, that that people need as journalists to do their jobs. So I think uh, to summarise that, for people to support independent professional journalism, you know, subscribe to one. Uh, paywalled publication, buy a newspaper every now and then, you won't be sorry and you'll help feed a journalist, like they say. And um, so for people to understand and to to really, um, yeah, to know that good ethical journalism is not free. I think another thing that we have a big problem with in South Africa, especially, is the lack of uh, media literacy. And I'm not talking about the fact that people can read or write or struggle to do maths, but media literacy specifically, uh, meaning that people don't necessarily understand how important professional journalism is for upholding democracy. And exactly as Zander said, everybody thinks they can be a journalist. So um, that means that every inf all the information that we are confronted with, people think often that it's been created by the mainstream press or legacy media institutions, as they're sometimes called, but it's not true. What we read on social media very rarely 
you know, um, when we have these social media smackdowns or Twitterati going at each other, the, the professional media have, has very little to do about it. And I think people need to understand that, make the distinction between professional journalism and information. And then finally, I think as a former journalist myself and working with young journalists or aspiring young journalists is people just need to be kind to journalists. Mm -hmm. It's it's not an easy job. It's a difficult, often traumatic job and as I or traumatizing job. And um, as Zander also earlier spoke about the physical um, safety of journalists are often at threat, perhaps less so in South Africa as in other countries, but the online abuse that journalists face, is, it's really horrible, especially female journalists. But in general as well, you know, you say one thing that people don't like and it becomes like a, a wave of vitriol and attacks and everything online. Zander? Um, yeah, I just want to add on to the previous point about um, supporting independent media financially. I think that's one of the, the positives we can we can take from what we saw with the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns and all of those is when, when journalism became almost a day-to-day -day essential, um, there's been a more open-mindedness when it comes to paywall um, accessing um, media. Um, people were more willing to pay, let's say, a monthly subscription to get credible news um, especially when more and more people are reporting about misinformation and not the the real news coming through, um, and I think that's one of the positives we can take from that. Yeah, I think on the, I think Alexander is completely correct. You'll see there were studies done that showed that News Twenty Four, you know, had a spike of um, page impressions and whatever you call all those internet terms. So even though there were some news publications that closed down during, uh, during and because of COVID, the digital professional media organizations really did well. But as I said, the, you know, people need to buy those media products, you know, subscribe, become an insider for the Daily Maverick, subscribe to News24, Network 24. You know, it really it can, can make a difference in people's lives. But yeah, just um, be kind to journalists. You know, they, they're doing a thankless job. How can multimedia journalists ensure media freedom through their daily practices? Um, so I think as a starting point, um, it's good to to clarify that multimedia is an independent platform. Um, so um, as a, a starting point, we we use the South African Constitution um, as guideline um, and the laws of the country. So um, at, at first, we are committed to defending citizens' rights. Um, citizens' right to freedom of expression and the right to press freedom, as outlined in Section 16 of the Constitution. Um, just to quickly go over it, it states that everyone has a right to freedom of expression, which includes freedom of the press and other media, freedom to receive or impart information, um, freedom of artistic creativity, academic freedom, and freedom of scientific research. So in everything we go into, we keep these um, values in the back of our mind. We even our, our own um, code of conduct um, clearly aligns with the constitution, especially section 16. Um, but to go back to your question about how in, in practice our journalists make sure that they um, ensure media freedom. Um, so multimedia journalists commit themselves to independent journalism. Um, so we strive to provide truthful and fair news and um, always aim to maximize truth and minimize harm. 
um, and act independently and accept responsibility for our conduct. So in a, uh, a practical example, um, if information is portrayed on the platform um, incorrectly or untruthfully, um, and this is pointed out by the public, which we always um, encourage, um, we'll make sure to immediately accept responsibility, issue an apology and move forward by correcting this. Then to move on, the journalists of multimedia also recognize their work should not be influenced by external factors. Um, this would include bribes, threats. Um, so even something as close as the university and being a university um, program that multimedia stems from, we even in that case try and stay independently from the university. Um, so multimedia journalists also aim to provide news without fear or favor from those in power and ensure balanced and fair reporting. I'm just going to come in here to emphasize as a lecturer in the journalism department where um, for those of you who don't know multimedia, um, it's multimedia www.multimedia.org. Um, it obviously stems from the Department of Journalism's honors program in journalism because the students um, who study this program produce content for multimedia and content because there are podcasts and videos and everything. But as a department, we still view this as an independent publication. Um, so if I do something ridiculous and the students want to report on that, that's fine. They have the absolute freedom to do so, but freedom comes with responsibility. And that was what Zander was talking about, that we, um, with multimedia, they take accountability very seriously. So if they make a mistake, they will correct it. And that is also a way to uphold media freedom is to build trust with your audiences. And in being accountable to them, you build trust. You mentioned that it's the honor students that does it. Are the other students allowed to, to write for multimedia? Um, so unfortunately not. Um, we, we try and uh, stick to the, the honors program uh, solely um, because it both acts as a reporting platform, normal news platform, but it also acts as um, training and development for the journalists themselves. Speaking about honors students, they produce a newspaper every year to celebrate World Press Freedom Day. What is the theme of this year's LIP newspaper? Um, I think best would be, before we go into the theme, um, it's just for Manane to quickly give a rundown of what LIP originated as and what the original goal of it was. Um, that's interesting, Zander, because LIP has a... Um a long history, but it started actually as a newspaper during the Voortfeest, um, which was around March, April every year. The students would actually go to news production, uh, um, uh, theater productions, music shows, do reviews, do all of that. But um, over time, the demographics in the class changed to such an extent that it was difficult to um, let the students just cover the Voorfeers, because it's mainly Afrikaans-speaking um, productions, which is also changing at the moment. The Voorfeers presents more um, bilingual or even trilingual public uh, um, productions. But we thought also, on the other hand, to do LIP a little later in the year so that the students have more time to adapt and grow as journalists. So, um, yes, it started as a Voorfeers newspaper um, in 2018. We moved it on to be a publication that's um, presented or uh, launched during the World Press Freedom Day celebrations, which is actually on the 3rd of May. Um, so 
but every year the newspaper has a theme and Sander can talk to this year's theme but um, in the past like when the university turned 100 years old the the publication was focused on the history and and um, workings of the university over time so Sander can talk about this year's theme yeah so um, when trying to decide on the theme for this year's lib um, the, the, the class of, of 2021, we all voiced like a few interesting topics that we thought needed covering. And throughout this process, we kind of started figuring out that there's a, a mutual linkage between all of these, which um, was that they all were important stories um, because they weren't told because of the almost over-reporting of COVID-19 related news. So the, the theme for LIP this year is the stories we missed. Um, which delves into the massive number of stories that, um, like the massive stories that were covered because of COVID-19 and therefore the ones that were missed because of the same reason. And stories are so important, we felt, because essentially stories are what we use to relate to the world around us. So with these stories getting lost because of a wave of COVID-19 news, um, people might have struggled to adapt to the strange new reality we find ourselves in. So in this year's edition of LIP, we hope to recover some of these stories and give a voice to those that were without it. And Stefan, if I can add there, just as a final thought, uh, LIP will be officially launched. Um, yeah, the students are lucky enough to have a break when it's actually Press Freedom Day. So on the 10th of May, during a panel discussion that we will be having at the department, which will also um, hopefully be broadcast um, live, which will be live streamed, um, we will have a panel discussion with some renowned journalists and um, journalistic uh, people who, who analyze the media. And um, it will be advertised on the university's platforms because we hope to have it live streamed, as I said. And that panel will also focus on other things happened to the kind of stories that the media were not able to cover on the one hand because of COVID and because of the focus on COVID, but also because the uh, um, restrictions because of lockdown made it difficult for journalists. They most of them are still working at home. So, yeah, so um, we're very excited about LIP. The students are finalizing it now and it will be launched um, and distributed on campus on the 10th of May. Great stuff. Thank you, Marinette and Alexander. I really appreciate your time today and all of the best. And in the words of Anna Kasparian, which said, the point of journalism is to hold people in position of power accountable. I wish you all of the best and may you keep keeping people accountable. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks, Stefan. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.